Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. You know, I had a GameTime promo pop up on my social media, and it was the coolest thing I had seen as far as these apps go. It highlighted the sections of the seats at the arena that were available and how much of a discount you could get on each of those seats. I know my friends who go to a lot of Blues games look forward to getting discounted tickets and they can use the Game Time app to find the best seats possible with that feature on the app. Well, now Game Time is hooking up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, use the redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make the moves quickly and score last-minute tickets. Snowmageddon here in St. Louis, right? You're not used to this uh, accumulation of the snow. The schools are closed. I'm sure you're bundled up and packed away and just avoiding the roads because this is probably more than you've ever seen, right? No, the last couple of days I've been driving all over the place, uh, flying around, uh, dodging all the uh, the people with their uh, hazard lights on. And uh, this, is, uh, this is a fun time for me. I love the snow and uh, love driving in it and... Uh, I was out uh, building igloos with uh, with my daughter yesterday, so I'm not uh, oh, I'm not wow. afraid of uh, of the oh. snow. That's awesome. So, what is the thing that kind of gets you uh, laughing? You know, I drive around, and it's normal to me. I've lived in St. Louis all my life, so uh, I understand the panic a little bit. But for somebody who's used to, you know, five and six feet of snow growing up, when you look around and, and see St. Louis react, what sticks out to you? Uh, just the panic and everybody going and, uh, you know, buying out all the, uh, the bread and the milk and the eggs from the uh, grocery store. And then the, uh, just the very bad drivers when you have a four lane highway and then all of a sudden, uh, people are, uh, spread out and, uh, you know, make it a two lane, uh, highway and, and we got their blinkers on. That's, uh, uh it, it's pretty uh entertaining obviously when you when you grow up in it you're uh you're used to it and you're you're okay with it but uh, uh to see the panic out there is uh is pretty comical for uh for a good canadian <laughs> boy yeah i want to see you out on the highway you probably get a two-minute instigator uh with some of the knuckleheads driving around uh in front of you yeah, I, don't, I don't think i ever had a uh, a snow day growing up I, I don't ever remember one uh one day canceled from uh from the snow you know what's funny about that is uh reed low and his sister they live here in town and they're not too far from me and and a uh, couple i don't want to say a couple weeks ago whatever uh, they asked the question his sister did what the heck is a snow day? So not only did you guys not even have one, you don't even know what they are. 
<laughs> no snow day we just figure it was another day that it snowed but uh, that happened uh, every other day uh, growing up in uh, in British Columbia and uh, and then my four years in in Regina so we uh, you know you, you would skate to school if you, if you had to but you were uh, everybody was prepared with snow tires and, and chains and uh, you know shovels in their uh, their car in case they do go off the road <laughs> skate to school so is there like a skate rack like a bike rack you just put your skates outside yeah, pretty much pretty much <laughs> hey uh bear i want to say last night uh during the game and we'll get to that we're also going to talk about craig Berube's uh, assistant coaching staff uh, Barrett's going to give us some insight into the guys uh, who we don't see on camera mike van ryan steve ott david alexander uh we'll also get to the blues win uh, last night against Colorado, they stay atop the Western Conference. Uh, but I did want to point something out to you last night uh, at Enterprise Center. About midway through the game, uh, there was a, a video on the Jumbotron, and it was Brett at the parade, uh, Brett Hall. And, and he kept saying uh, you know, his famous line, we went blues, we went blues. And all I could uh, think of, I, I couldn't make it out. They must have been asking him what his favorite podcast is, right? I mean, that's the only thing that would have triggered that response. Yeah, obviously. I I mentioned to him right before we went on stage that uh, we were starting up a podcast and we we're going to name it "We Went Blue." So, uh, you know, it was a, it was a pretty good plug to to start our uh, podcast careers. <laughs> it, it was, and and so uh, again, we will have him on at, at some point, and uh, we'll talk to him about the name of our uh, podcast. I'll probably do that after the uh, the Christmas holiday because. Lord knows he's probably uh, celebrating somewhere, getting ready for the holidays, right? Yeah, you know, he's uh, drinking Codigo and uh, enjoying uh, probably some warm weather in uh, in Cabo right now. There you go. Well, let's get into uh, the Blues for just a moment, and then, like I said, we'll uh, we'll talk a lot about uh, Craig Berube's staff and the fine job that they're doing. But Barrett, the Blues, as you saw last night, coming off a 5-2 win over the Colorado Avalanche, uh, stay three points ahead of the Avs in the Western Conference, uh, continued to play Really good hockey, a good first and third period uh, last night. David Prawn with the hat trick. He now has 15 goals, 33 points, leads the Blues in both categories. And Barrett, uh, you know what I was thinking about last night as uh, David was putting up these points? None of them have been, you know, quiet, cheap points where it's 4-1 to one and he tacks on the fifth goal of the game. Uh, he's obviously got a couple overtime uh, winners. And uh, like last night, the Blues' first two goals in the game, and then he tacks on the uh, empty netter. So, uh, David Prawn has really come to play this year for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, he's made a big impact. Uh, he's, he's scored some timely goals, um, some big goals on the power play, like you mentioned, the overtime uh, game winners. And uh, he's really just um, found a way to be relevant. And uh, he's, uh, he's really been uh, uh, just kind of in the right spot at the right time, uh, you know, on that goal last night, uh, just the way that uh, uh, I think it was his first one where – uh, he was he was just kind of showing his strength and holding guys off of the blue line, waiting for O'Reilly to to get open, and then uh, O'Reilly made an unbelievable pass cross ice to to give uh, Perron an empty netter. But uh, he is so strong with the uh, with the puck on his stick, and I just remember in uh, in practices just going against him. He was he's so good at just kind of leaning on on guys that are, are trying to check him and. Uh, is really good at feeling where the body contact's going to be, and and just use the leverage of his body to uh, to keep you away from it. And you know he showed a perfect example last night, and uh, you know it was a, a huge spark uh, to start the uh, uh, you know in the in the first period there for the Blues, and uh, I thought the Blues uh, dominated in that first period. 
We talked uh, in the previous podcast about our picks for the uh, All-Star game, which Blues uh, would be included. Now I think it's a no-brainer that uh, you're going to see David Prawn number 57 in St. Louis for this All-Star game. Uh, last night in the locker room, Barrett, I walked up to uh, David, and uh, after kind of the scrum ended and he was done doing interviews, you know, I said, uh, what do you think about playing in the All-Star game? And he kind of blushed and he said, who, all right? So he's trying to deflect it and uh, and not talk about it. Uh, but uh, finally got an answer out of him. And uh, David Perron said, uh, sure, you think about it. He said that you work hard for things and, and you like to be uh, at least, um, you know, not praised, but at least uh, recognized for the work that you do. And, and I think that he's all but... Uh, written his invitation to that uh, all-star game in St. Louis on January 26th. Yeah. As a hockey player, you, you obviously it's a, it's a team game and, uh, uh, you know, the individual accolades are, uh, are really on the back burner, but, uh, for an all-star, uh, nod and, and, uh, selection, uh, that's, it's, it's really big for, uh, for these players. Um, you know, you're going to give a lot of the credit to the linemates that you have and, and that, but, uh, yeah, it is one of those things where you are playing some of your best hockey, which is helping the team and uh, representing the the Blue Note in in St. Louis for the All Star Game will be uh, will be pretty uh, a pretty big uh, you know nod and accomplishment for uh, for David and anybody else that's selected. That story on David Perron and him definitely being an All Star now is up at the Athletic. Uh, dot com so you can check that out now uh, Jordan Bennington a guy we think uh, will also be a, an all-star for the Blues improved to 16 6 and 4 last night he became the sixth goaltender uh, Barrett in NHL history to earn his 40th win prior to his 60th game the list includes some guy named Ken Dryden so he continues to get it done as well yeah he uh, you know he's had what one one kind of off game and uh, he's bounced back and uh uh, really just, uh, you know, giving the, the Blues the chance. He's made some huge saves uh, in the last three games. And, and um, you know, when the Blues have, have needed it, needed a little kickstart or, or uh, you know, saving their ass, he's, he's been there to, uh, to, to shut the door and, and really, uh, um, you know, give the Blues the confidence that they've, uh, they've been playing with right now. And we don't want to forget about the comeback win against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks the other night. Barrett, you uh, were a member of this organization on the ice for such a long time, had so many battles uh, with the Blackhawks. I can only imagine the smile on your face uh, watching the Blues come from three goals down with 15 minutes to play Saturday night. They get two from Tyler Bozak, one from De La Rose, and then the game winner from Falk, who really needed that. I, I believe that'll probably give him a, a big confidence boost, but a 4-3 win over the Chicago Blackhawks and Patrick Kane, who did that little selly. I don't think uh, Craig Bruby liked it. Uh, I think uh, Craig Bruby liked uh, the fact that they pulled that one out and uh, Patrick Kane wasn't able to celebrate after the game. Yeah, you, uh, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, hated when guys went overboard on celebrations and, and you know, you kind of respect, uh, respect the game and respect your opponent and you never know what can happen in a hockey game and the Blues, uh, you know, shoved it right up his ass. And uh, uh, I love, uh, you know, I love the rivalries, uh, you know, against Chicago, uh, you know, in my, earlier on in my career against Detroit. and But uh, any times you, you beat the, uh, you know, the opposition that's most hated by, uh, by the fans and uh, especially when you get four in a row and, uh, and you know goals and you get that comeback win when when the other team gets comfortable and and uh, you know is really not respecting the game all that much and 
uh, it's fun. Uh, it's fun to see, and uh, I'm sure uh, uh, you know I get a couple of Blackhawk, uh, uh, you know, fans as as you know loose friends, and uh, you know love uh, <laughs> love ribbing them at the uh, at the expense of uh, the Blackhawks. Yeah, hey, you had to have a lot of uh, encounters with Kane over the years. Uh, just any that come to mind on ice, chirping back and forth, uh, situations where you maybe you gave him a little nudge, uh, wink, wink, and uh, some battles with him. Just what was that like going against him and and uh, any stories? Uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, anytime that you play against some of the best players in the, in the league, you uh, it's a measuring stick. I always love playing against Kane and Taze, uh, Datsuk and Zetterberg, uh, playing against Crosby, um, the Sedin uh, sisters. Um, you know, just the, a, a lot of those players that, uh, you know, you have to be on top of your game to, to beat them. And so I was, uh, I was pretty, uh, you know, pretty amped up to play uh, a lot of those games against Kane. I would give him a shot, uh, you know, you know, a stick in the back of the legs, a little cross check in the lower back or, uh, you know, on the, uh, uh, on the meat of the arm. And, uh, just make it miserable for him uh, shift to shift if he went to the net or, or into the corner and uh, I was always going to lean on him and I was going to you know be on the edge of being dirty and uh, you know if, if you can you know maybe make a guy hesitate just one play because they knew that they're going to get hit or or uh, slashed or something like that yeah that's uh, that's a win for uh, for me Anything happen after uh, a Sully like that? Would uh, you have taken exception to that? Uh, yeah, it's hard to get him right, uh, you know, right off the bat. But you know, you, you definitely, uh, uh, especially if you're the one that uh, you know he he undresses and and you know scores on, uh, uh, you're you're gonna have, uh, you know go after him uh, the next time out or the next opportunity that you have. That's great. Hey, um, the Taylor Hall sweepstakes are over. The Blues did not get Taylor Hall. I don't know that many people expected they would. Uh, he goes to uh, Arizona in a big package deal that includes uh, three prospects coming from Arizona going back to uh, New Jersey, plus uh, a couple draft picks, a first-round draft pick that's guaranteed, another one that's a third-rounder uh, that's conditional that could turn into a first-rounder if Arizona wins a playoff round and also if Taylor Hall uh, were to re-sign with Arizona, what did you think of the deal, and uh, what do we think about the Blues probably not uh, paying the steep price that it would have cost? Uh, yeah, that's it is a, a pretty big package uh, uh, when you're looking at the three prospects. You know, those are you know possible. Uh, you know, first, second, uh, third line players in a, in a top four D man that you're you're giving up plus the two uh, two draft picks if uh, uh, if you win a, a playoff round. So, um, you know, you're, you're thinking that you know it might have been a, a Cairo, Costin, and uh, you know Wallman or, or Mikula. Uh, you know, going one way and then two uh, two draft picks. So, um, and it, you know, it's a possible uh, you know rental player. Um, so. Yeah, the Blues would like to have that uh, that score and uh, you know the, uh, the MVP in their lineup, but um, that that's a lot to give up, you know, in your future and, and possible, uh, you know, huge parts of your team uh, in the next few years to to get a guy for uh, for four or five months. So um, I, I like that uh, the Blues didn't sell the farm to to get him, and uh, you know we'll see, uh, you know, how those players. Uh, that went to Jersey, uh, you know, end up faring in the, uh, in the coming years. 
That's the latest on the blues. It's also uh, our take on the uh, Taylor Hall sweepstakes. Uh, it seems like a little early in the season for something like that to be happening. Usually you see that closer to the February 24th uh, trade deadline, but with New Jersey so far out of it, those talks uh, happen sooner with Taylor Hall. Now he's on the move to Arizona and and there will be uh, new names that pop up in terms of rental players who are available. We'll obviously stay on top of any interest the Blues have in those types of players as we move forward. And now let's take a break and talk about erectile dysfunction. It's not easy. Usually we just brush it off or we blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash blues and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash blues to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash blues for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash blues. But right now, Barrett, we want to shift our focus to Craig Berube's staff. And just let me paint the picture here for one moment. Uh, Craig Berube um, and his staff, we're talking about Steve Ott. We're talking about Mike Van Ryan, David Alexander, the goaltender coach. Uh, Craig Berube gets a lot of credit, and he deserves it. He came in for Mike Yo, took over. Uh, created an accountability for all the top players, the entire team. Uh, he also showed off those good communication skills. Anybody you talk to talks about uh, he just tells it how it is, and he and he gets a lot out of his players. We do not, as media, get to talk to his assistants, uh, Steve and, and Mike and, and David. Um, and I understand why that is. That's uh, a situation Doug Armstrong wants one message coming from the team, and, and he wants it from uh, Craig Bruby. So therefore, we don't have the opportunity to interview those uh, people on his staff, and we don't have a chance to bring him on uh, the podcast here, at least during the regular season. Uh, but you uh, are very familiar with uh, what an assistant coach does on a daily basis, and you're also uh, tight with these guys, and you know how they operate and, and why they're respected. So I just thought it'd be fun here for the second half of the podcast uh, to talk about Craig Bruby's staff and let you fill in, fill us in on uh, what they uh, help out this team with and, and how they make things go on a daily basis. So let's just start out there. What are the roles of these guys? We just don't see what they do. Uh, you see Craig Bruby on the bench and you see the postgame interviews. Uh, what about uh, the assistants uh, in terms of what you saw over the years from their role? Yeah, they all uh, they all have a, a different thing that uh, you know adds to the to the total package. Uh, um, you know, if if you're in the uh, the coach's room, they they all have their their whiteboard right in front of them, and uh, they got their list of responsibilities for uh, you know breaking down film and and pre scouts and and power play and penalty kill. So you get Steve Ott that's going to do a lot of the. Uh, uh, kind of the uh, the systems of the other team. Uh, he's gonna <clears throat> look at their uh, their breakouts, uh, you know, set four checks type uh, types of things, and then uh, you know he's he's huge on the uh, on the penalty kill too. So uh, he's got to do a lot of that scouting, and then um, you know you got uh, Mike Van Ryan that's 
uh, you know, helping out with that penalty kill as well. Uh, he's really focusing on the on the defense, but you know, he's going to be watching a lot of the uh, the power play uh, of the opposition to to see how uh, you know, kind of to defend and and plus uh, you know the in zone play of the other team and. Um, you know, Mark Savard that's that's in there as well. He's he's doing a lot of the uh the power play and um and, and some system breakdown and then Dave Alexander's uh taking care of the goaltender. So and then you got Sean Farrell who's the uh you know the mastermind behind the computer that's that's gotta take the clips from everybody and, and put them all into to one nice little uh little package. When I look at this staff and you added uh, Mark Savard's name uh, to the mix, uh he joined the staff this year. Um, these are young guys. And we're talking about guys that are all, you know, late 30s, early 40s. Uh, most of them played. Savard, obviously, Ott, Van Ryan, uh, David Alexander didn't play in the NHL. Uh, so they have that respect factor. Uh, to me, this is a group that's pretty inexperienced when it comes to coaching. Uh, but I think it's a group that probably gets what the players need, what they need to hear, what they don't need to hear. And to me, that seems like a pretty good recipe for success. Yeah, um, you know, playing with uh, with Otter, you know, later in his career, I always knew he was going to be a coach. He was the guy that, um, you know, would ask all the all the right questions uh, in meetings with uh, with coaches, especially with Hitch. Uh, you know, the two of them had a, a pretty uh, pretty unique relationship where they would uh, you know <laughs> be back and forth giving each other <laughs> yeah giving each other shit all the time and. Um, you know, but but Otter's he's he's got a way to to you know get his point across, uh, not demeaning, not uh, not embarrassing the other person, but um, you know making it uh, you know a real point to 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 make you listen. And um, you know he's he understands the uh, uh, you know the the you know the part of the game where it's it's about confidence and. And, uh, and just, you know, believing in yourself and, and also, you know, he, he can, you know, he has that respect where he can tell you, you know, you know, wake up and uh, get your head out of your ass. So, um, you know, Van Ryan's the, the same way. He's a very smart hockey mind. He sees, uh, he sees a lot of things. He sees, you know, chemistry in the back end with, with certain players and, and, you know, why things work and why they don't. And then, uh, you know, Savard is just, a, you know, such a great offensive mind. And, um, you know, if you watch some of his highlights, he sees plays that uh, a lot of players don't, but he's also, uh, you know, sees the simple plays. And, and that's why, uh, you know, the power play, you know, does so well. He sets up uh, uh, different opportunities for players that are, you know, at different levels of of, uh, of skill and and you know the the Blues have really been capitalizing a, a lot on those uh, those types of plays. Barrett, the Blues have had very good assistant coaches who didn't play in the NHL. Um, you know, even head coaches. Uh, Ken Hitchcock is one of the you know in terms of wins, one of the top coaches in league history. Uh, Ray Bennett, very respected assistant coach. Um, what is it? in terms of this uh, lineup, these players in the locker room now, who when a guy has played in the league before, a Mark Savard, a, a Steve Ott, there's just that automatic respect level. You know, just in talking to some of the players that I have over the years, they, they say that, you know, the things that these coaches say to you, you know it's coming from uh, they've experienced it. They've been out there. They've seen it. So that part seems obvious. But what is it about – 
listening to a guy in that situation that just kind of lets you know that uh, he knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, you don't take anything away from uh, from a Ray Bennett or a Ken Hitchcock, but uh, when you're on the ice at that high level, uh, things happen. Uh, bounces go one way or the other. The pressure, uh, the daily grind, uh, you know, knowing when days off are needed, when, uh, you know, a guy needs extra work or less work or, or you know, just certain plays, the way that uh, they transpire on the ice and, um, you know, a guy like Steve Ott is, uh, you know, he's played as a first line guy, uh, you know, in the peak of his uh, career. And he's, he's also played on the fourth line and, and in the minors. And uh, for a guy to, to, to be able to talk to, you know, a Jordan Cairo coming up, um, you know, a De La Rose or, or uh, you know, Mackenzie McEachern. When, when these guys are, are coming from the minors and then, you know, in the lineup, out of the lineup, you know, Otters, he could still talk to them and, and let them know what they're, uh, um, you know, what they need to work on, how to keep their mind right and, and you know, not expect to be on the first line right away and, and you know, earn your space and, and, and get – your feet moving and, and be a part of the team uh, one way or the other. So uh, when you have a, a coach that has been there, has done that, and you can listen to, and, and maybe they have a couple stories that, uh, you know, really resonate with uh, with the player. And, uh, you know, Otter is, is one of the best at, uh, you know, getting down to business but, but keeping things light and, and not, uh, you know, letting you get in your own head. And not just the fact that uh, these, these these guys have played, but, you know, uh, Mike Kitchen played, Brad Shaw played, but the fact that these guys are uh, relatively young as well. You look at uh, Mark Savard, 42 years old, Steve Ott, 37, uh, Mike Van Ryan's 40. I think David Alexander goes about 38, 39 maybe. Uh, it's a situation where some of these players in the locker room played against guys like Mark Savard. I know uh, Ryan O'Reilly, I believe, crossed paths with him. Um, and I think more than ever, Barrett, it seems like these younger guys want to be able to relate to the coaching staff in terms of uh, generational things. So it's hard for somebody who's 20 years old to connect to uh, a 60 year old, even if he played in the game, just because it's so far removed. It, it feels like youth is a factor here. Yeah. Um, you know, the game is, has changed. I think uh, society has changed. I think, uh, you know, a lot of these players, um, you know, especially the young guys coming up, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're softer than what, uh, what they used to be. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mental uh, grind for, for a lot of these guys. And um, so I, I think having a guy that had just played and has played against some of these players with, uh, you know, the common day, uh, or, or, you know, I guess it wouldn't be common, but just, you know, what happens in hockey these days, it, it's, um, to have somebody that understands what these young guys are going through with, you know, with all the media, with social media, with, uh, um, you know, just the, the different aspects of life that, uh, you know, didn't exist, uh, 15, 20 years ago. So when you have a guy that just played and played with, with guys that are the same age as, as the players that are in the lineup right now. You get the opportunity to, you know, to say, I, you know, I've seen that. I know that it's happened to me. And, you know, players really uh, respond to that, you know, opposed to maybe a guy that's, uh, you know, 60 years old that, you know, 
talked about you know riding his horse to school and uh and uh <laughs> you know the the dial-up phone and having to actually get up to change the channel on your uh, on your tv so you know it, it's it's kind of uh you know changing in the nhl i think a lot of guys are getting right out of the game and and you know right behind the bench and uh i i think uh you know you know both the experience of a of an older guy but uh you know the youth coming out right out of the game and and into the uh locker room is uh is good for uh for the blues obviously i want to make one more point about this and then uh, we'll hear from alex petrangelo who i asked last night about the uh, the the young coaching staff um and that point is uh Barrett, you know, I've been around the team for about 15 years and, you know, seen assistant coaches, uh, you know, work around the clock. And, you know, a lot of times they have their laptops and you don't see them, uh, you know, come out after practice and leave. You know, they're there for hours and hours and might not leave till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. This is not to say that this current staff doesn't put in the time because they certainly do. Uh, But I get the sense that these aren't guys who just lock the door and load up on the coffee and, and uh, don't come out of the film room until they find a specific uh, play that's going to work. They go in there and they, they do what they need to do. They get the job done. They convey it to the players and they move on and they go uh, live their life. So to me, we can talk about youth. We can talk about uh, respect factor. Uh, but these are coaches who I think the players sense that, you know, you, you, you know what that was like. Uh, being around the assistant coaches that you just felt were like at the rink for 22 hours out of the day, maybe spent the night. Um, I think the players sense that these coaches are confident in what they do and they don't need to be there around the clock looking like a mad scientist. Yeah, uh, there, there is a point to that. There is there is coaches that, you know, they feel like they have to justify, um, you know, their paycheck and, and feel like they, they have to have their hands on, uh, you know, every player at all times. Uh, I think these coaches are really good at, um, you know, I, I've been in the conversations, they've sat in the room and they've they've gone over things and, uh, and then, you know, I've heard one of them say, okay, we're done with this topic. Let's move on to the next because they just, you know, kind of run around in circles, but you know, everybody's getting their, uh, their opinion out and then they know when it's, uh, when it's getting beat up and they're, they're not making any, uh, any headway or, or they're just kind of running around in circles. So I think there, there's a great balance and there's a great respect, uh, you know, and it, and it starts with chief, you know, he listens to everybody that's in the room. Uh, you know, he's even asked me a few questions that, uh, and really makes everybody feel like they're they're included in the conversation, and and then he makes his opinions on what people are saying. But uh, yeah, these coaches they're not going to sit there and and you know take on you know a hundred clips and start nitpicking you know in a in a freeze frame that you had your stick uh, you know a foot away from where it was supposed to be uh, when the you know the the next the tenth of a second it was in the right spot. So I think they're really good at. Uh, seeing the whole picture, seeing, uh, you know, when you can do more, when you can do less. And, and they're not going to sit there and, and, you know, get inside a player's head and, and uh, you know, tie him up in knots because of, uh, you know, a couple comments that they've made. So I, I think they're good at uh, getting their work done, uh, you know, feeling the game and, and feeling what's going on around the team and then, you know, leaving it in the locker room and, and uh, going on with their life. Well, Bear had a chance to talk it over with uh, the Blues captain last night, uh, Alex Petrangelo, after the Blues win, and asked him about this uh, coaching staff and and what uh, the perspective of was the players uh, from the players. Here's what he had to say. Um, well, they're not that far removed from the game one, right? Um, they understand today's game. 
Um, they want to work with guys. They're, you know, as much as you want to coach the teacher, they want to learn too. So you have good dialogue between each other. You find a way to, uh, you know, make us better, make each other better. And, you know, uh, you know, they're both new at this level too. So there's some stuff that they uh, can work with us on. But uh, they listen, which is good because you want to have that relationship when maybe you don't see things the way they do. But they're always trying to find ways to, you know, make us better and they understand, you know, maybe each player is a little bit different and they've, they've found a way to really, you know, talk to each guy and find a way to make us improve. So it sounds like we were pretty uh, dead on there. Uh, you were with your analysis of, of what makes this uh, coaching staff tick and, and uh, why they're so successful with this group of players. Alex saying there that the youth and then the respect factor uh, is there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, again, it, it's these uh, these coaches kind of seeing what's happening in the dressing room, having a relationship with them, and and uh, you know knowing uh, you know when to leave a guy alone and and when to pump him up and and when to you know make sure that they're uh, uh, you know they're they're held accountable. So I think the players uh, you know respect the uh, the voices that are coming from the coaches' room and and uh, you know the, the extra fact that they they played so recently. Uh, you know, kind of gives them uh, a little bit more credibility as well. So, Barry, it was a good week for St. Louis. Uh, the Blues come back and beat the Chicago Blackhawks 4-3. to three. Uh, They get a win over Colorado. And uh, what made last night's win especially uh, fun for Blues fans, that was the fact that uh, towards the end of the game with the Blues in control, they were able to uh, let belt out their favorite chant, and that's Cronky uh, sucks. That's always... Uh, one of the perks to go into a game uh, between the Blues and the Avalanche at Enterprise Center. If the Blues uh, do win the game, you know you're going to hear that uh, down the stretch. So uh, expected nonetheless from these fans last night. Yeah, you, you don't mess with the passion of the uh, St. Louis sports fan. And uh, you take away a, a beloved team that, uh, you know, there was a lot of support for uh, in this city. And, uh, you know, the way that Kroenke slighted the uh, St. Louis uh, fans and in and, uh, uh, and the city, you're, you're going to get the Kroenke sucks. And uh, I love the passion of the Blues fans. And, uh, you know, I'm sure this will be going on for, uh, for the next 20, uh, 20 years with a chance like that. Can we get you to chant it for a minute? Cronky <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll get that uh, that audio here in the end of the podcast and, and you can hear it from uh, last night's game. So the Blues, 5-2 uh, winners over the Colorado Avalanche, first place in the Western Conference. A couple games left before uh, the Christmas break, uh, Barrett, but they're sitting pretty as we head into uh, that break and get ready uh, to ring in 2020. Thank you for your time today, sir. We appreciate it. For Barrett Jackman, uh, I'm Jeremy Rutherford. You can go to the Athletic St. Louis and read about David Perron and his bid for the All-Star game. I believe the Blues will get some other uh, guys in that game as well. Alex Petrangelo, maybe Braden Shen, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, and we'll continue to follow it heading into that All-Star game January 26th in St. Louis. Thank you for listening to Episode 23 of We Went Blues, and we will talk to you later in the week. 